the last year or so, Willow Park has settled on a, a new vision document, um, the acronym REAL has been chosen kind of as an easy reminder of that vision. The R in that acronym stands for redeemed. There are lots of other R words that kind of speak to the same theme within the Word of God. Um, reconciled, renewed, in a sense reclaimed, reborn. A lot of R words that kind of mesh with the theme of the Word of God. Uh, but uh, redeemed is the one that uh, we kind of have settled on, and for the next two Sundays, I want to talk a bit about that word, about redemption. All of those words speak to the heart of God, and I would say the initiative of God to restore everything that he has made. The church is a beautiful expression of that restoration of people of God that he is restoring to increasingly reflect the God who created us. I think sometimes we have these conversations, we have these messages that talk about things like redemption. And when I look across the church, I realize that most people in front of me understand these words. So it's like we're talking to those who already, you might say, get it. And so when we spend a few minutes this morning, what I want to challenge you to do is to think about how we talk about redemption, how we talk about the theme of the Word of God, when we meet those around us who don't necessarily share it. How do we convey to people outside the church what redemption means? Really, it's God doing for us something that we are incapable of doing on our own. This morning, I'm going to start in Genesis, and I will admit up front that most of the things that I am going to talk about, I do not fully understand. Yet I hold them to be true. On one hand, that might appear almost like foolishness, but God and the Word of God and the Bible would actually refer to that as faith. That there are things about God, there are things even about life, we do not fully understand. And I think it's Paul that said, maybe it was Peter, that without faith it is impossible to please God. 
So I hold these things that I'm going to talk about this morning to be absolutely true. But there are aspects about them that are incredible mysteries. What is our view of God? How do we actually see ourselves? The first four words in the Bible, I think, are incredibly powerful. In the beginning, God. That before anything existed, there was God. The Christian faith really, I think, at its beginning, involves our response to that reality in the beginning, God. I'm going to play just a little clip from Francis Chan. Many of you may know him. Um, he has a few things to say about that, and he says it better than I do. It appears like he has sprouted an extra set of arms in the video, but don't let that detract from what he has to say. So, Jeff, you can... I want you to think about something. There was a time when all there was was God. Think about this. There were no angels, there was no earth. Nothing else but God. There was no one, no angels going, oh, you're God, but he was still God. There were no people on the earth praising him as God, yet he was still God. That's, that's his name, I am. When he says, when Moses says, hey, who are you? Because my name is I am. It was talking about his eternality. He just always is. Unlike us, you and I became. We came into existence at a certain point. God just says, I am. And I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's just, that's just who I am. I am. And there was a time when there was just God. Think about that. All there was was God. I encourage any of you who occasionally want to listen to something that is quite inspiring and I think incredibly biblical, uh, I encourage you to listen to Francis Chan. Um, not in the beginning there was nothing. Uh, not in the beginning there was a cataclysmic event. In the beginning there was God. In creation itself, everything that has life and breath came from God. The air I breathe, the life I have, the vastness of the universe that we cannot fathom reflects God, maker of heaven and earth. A few weeks ago, probably a few months ago by now, Toronto hosted a pop culture event. It kind of coincided with the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And William Shatner was there, and he said this about Star Trek. Well, you know, it was just an explanation. And then he says, well, an attempt at explaining the mysterious, awesome things we don't know anything about. If you fast forward 50 years and add the credibility of science the credibility of scientific research and accomplishments, and yet we kind of have the same conclusion. 
We know very little of the mysterious, awesome things that belong to God. I am fascinated by the accomplishments of science. I am not putting my faith, however, in science to solve the mysteries of life or answer the deepest questions of our souls. I am resting on these four words, in the beginning, God. These words speak to something far beyond my understanding, yet the Christian faith says that this God, creator of heaven and earth, invites us to speak to him and experience him as Heavenly Father. This is the God I embrace this morning. This is the God that I embraced as I drove here and looked out at the majesty of the world that he created. This is a God I pray to, the God I give thanks to. The Bible says a lot about us and our condition. We'll talk about that a little bit this morning. But the Bible really isn't all about me. The book is about God and his invitation for us to walk with him. It's one of the things Levi Simpson talked about on Monday. About this incredible story that God has initiated into which you and I are invited to join in. So I think we need to pause and remind ourselves, even as children of God, of how great our God is. Conversations with people outside of faith, that might be a good place to start. What is your view of God? How do you see God? The Genesis account of God and creation has long been a source of, I'm going to say, debate analysis, and ridicule. Even in Christian circles, the debate about, well, is it a literal account or is it an allegory? And often this debate takes priority over the message. That in all the noise and all the rhetoric, we lose the truth that this story this account in Genesis has something profound to say about us, about the human condition. And in a way, when you read Genesis, it is both an account of perfection and a picture of rebellion. Of all creation, we are the only creatures made in the image of God. Um, I have a real hard time actually wrapping my head around exactly what that means. But there is something in you and me that is meant to reflect 
our creator. Maybe it's that part of us that often longs for something deeper. Maybe it's that part of us that longs for things that are invisible yet eternal. And maybe it's that part of us, even people outside of the church of faith, who at times simply cry out to God. The Genesis account says that in the beginning, man and woman walked with God, walked in the presence of God within the garden. It's an incredible picture of innocence, of harmony, of perfection. The Christian faith, you might say, is God's desire in a way to get us back to the garden. Back into harmony with God. As I was thinking about that over the last two weeks, the song, I think Joni Mitchell wrote it, I think Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young sang it, Woodstock, and there was a line in that song that says, got to get back to the garden. And as I looked at the lyrics in that song, I thought that song is an incredibly spiritual song about the longing of man's heart for something that he can't quite figure out how to get. The first verse goes something like this, I came upon a child of God. He was walking along the road and asked him, where are you going? And this he told me, I'm going down to Yasker's farm. I'm going to join in a rock and roll band. I'm going to camp out on the land. I'm going to try and get my soul free. We're stardust, we're golden, and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. I'm going to play the second verse. It's actually going to be on the screen. I encourage you to simply look at the words of verse 2. So Jeff, you can... Bible, God would say that Joni Mitchell, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young were 100% correct. We need to get back to the garden. It is about getting back to the garden 
and re-engaging with the God who created us. But our best efforts are not going to get us there. As much as that era in time kind of spoke to hope of something beautiful, it had limited impact. This morning, instead of using a picture of a garden, I want to use the picture of a mansion. Not for any real reason other than just to change the picture. Picture of an incredible dwelling in which God has given us free reign. Genesis account of creation. What God said to man was incredible. Enjoy this garden. Watch over this garden. Walk with me in this garden. If we think of it in terms of a mansion, every room in that mansion, God says to us, is yours to enjoy. You can roam around this incredible dwelling. Go into any room you want, except one. And I thought about that a lot over the last few weeks. Genesis, it says, we might say it's the door to the knowledge of good and evil. Every other room is yours. Don't open that door. And I thought about that. You might say, why is that? Why does that Bible account have that exception? And as I thought about it, it it dawned on me so clearly, that door reveals truth that belongs to God alone. That door holds truths and realities that you and I are not able to handle and we're not meant to handle. So God said, don't eat of that tree. Don't open that door. And as I thought about that, there was another clip that came to my mind. I don't usually use clips. But Jeff, you can play that. I think most of us will know exactly. We've probably all seen this movie. Did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! As I read the story of Genesis, The reality of man's rebellion opened the door to a truth that you and I cannot handle. The Genesis account says that immediately the knowledge, the awareness, and perhaps even the fascination And the frustration of good and evil have become part of the human experience ever since. 
that the Genesis story reflects the human tendency to question, to challenge, to doubt God. In that song, Woodstock, there was this line that I had never ever thought about. I don't know if I ever really heard it. When they said, we are stardust, we are golden, we are caught in the devil's bargain. And we've got to get back to the garden. I thought so amazing that these writers would reflect their searching for something greater with such a biblical reference. The devil's bargain was and always is to challenge God. Did God really say? The Genesis story, the temptation that is spoken into mankind is to question, did God really say that? Or did God not want you to open those doors because he knew that if you did, you would become like him. And God does not want you to become like him. And so the doors to the knowledge of good and evil were opened. And the story of Genesis is so clear that instead of sharing in the perfection and the eternal nature of God, instead of sharing in perfection and harmony, those things were immediately replaced by an awareness of guilt and shame and sin. Things we were never meant to handle. They belong to God. The Genesis story says at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. When the Bible says their eyes were opened, it has nothing to do with their physical eyes. Nothing changed with their physical eyes. It's a reference to something deeper. That their disobedience opened their eyes to a spiritual reality. Opened their eyes to what it meant to disobey God. And the Genesis story has become our story. The Genesis story is the ongoing story of mankind. And I can imagine Adam and Eve maybe thinking, what have we done? The knowledge of good and evil. This knowledge of right and wrong continues to, in a way, haunt us as a human race. To some extent, we live this out personally. This battle at times between what we know we should do and what we do. Even really good people struggle with this. We live out this struggle as a society. 
It is played out on the world stage every day. And it's replayed and reviewed every night. It is a struggle that we as humans have not been able to handle or win. As I think about Genesis, about all it says about the amazing God, creator of heaven and earth, the great I am, it is also such an incredibly honest picture of who we are. It's why redemption is the theme that runs throughout the word of God. There are two things that resulted from man's rebellion. One of them was this awareness of right and wrong and good and evil that we struggle with. The other reality of the Genesis story, it says that what resulted from man's disobedience was death. As I thought about that again the last few weeks, it really means that from the beginning, God actually made us for eternity. That in the heart and mind of God, when he created man in his image, death was not in the picture. The New Testament talks about that reality of eternity as being the living hope that we hold on to as children of the living God. When we talk about redemption, when we talk about and think about the theme that runs throughout the entire holy word of God, In a very real way, it is about getting back to the garden. It is about freedom from guilt and shame. It is about forgiveness of sin. It is about walking in relation with God and the privilege and freedom to call him our father. It's about stepping back into eternity. I was thinking about that this week. That the redemptive heart of God invites us to step back into eternity. That this life, everything we see, all that is visible, is going to pass away. But we will share in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a great prize for those who persevere. And I'm going to stop here this morning. I've talked about redemption. I've talked a little bit about the condition of man. And you might say, Doug, you haven't talked about Jesus. I want to talk about Jesus next week. But this morning, as you leave Creekside Church and as we share some soup, I want you to think about the amazing God. The great I am, for whom time is an irrelevant discussion. 
I want you to be honest about your own condition. That we are flawed, we share in that same flaw that entered the Genesis story. And yet God, through Jesus, has invited us to get back into the garden. I want you to think about that this week. It is such a sweet thing. Warren, I'll invite the the worship team to come up. I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Uh, At times, Father, it is so easy to get caught up in those things all around us. Uh, In fact, at times, those things, Father, can be overwhelming. Father, I pray that even this morning as we think about who you are, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, creator of heaven and earth, giver and sustainer of life, that, Father, you would cause us to just marvel at who you are. Father, I thank you that the theme of the Bible is about calling people back to something that is far greater and far better than anything we can do on our own. Speak to us by the Spirit of God this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.